Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I hope you're having a great week. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Mr. Torin Wells. Make sure you grab a copy of his new album, Citizens of Heaven. Our Couples Month continues on our closest episode to Valentine's Day with my friends, Catherine and Jay Wolf. As you'll hear us discuss, they are two of the most requested guests, and we actually have a really long history. I cannot wait for y'all to hear us talk about that. Catherine and Jay are speakers, authors, and founders of the nonprofit ministry, Hope Heals. That's also the title of their first book, but just releasing this week, happy release week, is their newest book, Suffer Strong. And I cannot wait for y'all to get your hands on this one. So here is my conversation with my friends, Jay and Catherine Wolf. Sometimes I don't warn people well, and they like say something. And they're like, Annie, <laughs> I didn't know you started. So, friends, we have started. It is official. You are on record. Um, Catherine. Well, ask, us it, ask us anything on or off for open books. Okay, perfect. Uh, I laugh so much when people request you like we haven't known each other since 1999 or whatever in Athens. Right. It is the best. I know, so I know. I love the story so much. What does it? You led my sister Grace in Bible study in yeah, Athens, Georgia. That's exactly it. right. Your little sister, when you were, I guess you were finishing high school and off to college and I was in college and your parents, I've said this to you privately, but I'll say it publicly. Your parents were some of the most generous parents I experienced when I was in Athens, Georgia. Hmm. I love that. That's so cool. And the craziest thing is that my parents moved to St. James Methodist after I went to college, like right then. Uh So they got to enjoy the same church you went to, which is an amazing congregation. Oh my gosh, I love St. James. So I love that you were there. I know. I think it is so fun. It's been amazing to watch us both get to do this job and to have people. I mean, even when I carry my Hope Heals bag in the grocery store, a girl stopped me and said, are you Annie F. Downs? I was like, yeah, you know. I had like my earbuds in and it just come from the gym. I looked a mess. And she was like, I see your bag. Would you ever have Catherine oh. and Jay Wolf? <laughs> oh my gosh, hysterical, hysterical. Yeah, I was like, yes, yes, yes. So this is long requested by our listeners, friends. Oh my goodness. So That's good. such a blessing. That's so cool. Perfect timing. And yeah. also, did y'all just start a podcast? We did like <laughs> a minute ago. Like eight years, you know, after the fact. Yeah, right. seriously. Okay. Tell me about your, tell me what made you start a show. Golly, what did make us start, Jay? I mean, it's been marinating for years. Yeah. But... I think, um, you know, just kind of capturing our banter, which is a little bit unusual and unique, I think. Um, in the world and what we uh, talk about in our new book, Suffer Strong, kind of coming around each of those topics and an individual episode way, just it seemed the right format. And I think um, people are still just, you know, voracious for the content, which is interesting um, on their commutes or whatever. So we're like, look, not that there's, I mean, the world needs this necessarily, but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> so no, no, no. I, I deeply love the, the Sarah Groves who encouraged us so deeply oh, in that. that Annie, do you know who Sarah is? Yes, she's an incredible musician. Yeah. We need to have her. I haven't had her on yet. Oh, oh she's so awesome. Uh, we love her deeply. She actually is the musical guest at our summer camp. And she has told us years ago when we became friends that she knew when she started writing music, got her first CD, like her music wasn't for everybody. No, no, no. But her music was for somebody. And for somebody, it was a 
soundtrack of their lives. Mm. And I can't help but think, honestly, in our sure. story and in every story, in the year story, absolutely, that it's not going to meet everybody, but it's somebody's survival guide. Mm. And that's um, pretty beautiful that we get to point someone to um, a way to live yeah. and, and encourages them deeply. Tell me what y'all's experience is. You know, there's such a talk about diversity in the church right now and making sure that the church we reflect and are a part of building, I mean, capital C church, as well as, I mean, our local expressions is diverse. And one of the conversations people are having is it's not just about being racially diverse. It's about being ability diverse as well. Mm-hmm. And we're so glad they're having that conversation. Mm-hmm. It's time the world yeah, woke tell me up. About it. Tell me what it feels like. You were 26 when you had your stroke. Is that right, Catherine? Yeah, 26, newly 26. So you've lived two decades able-bodied, fully able-bodied, and then have been in a wheelchair since then. Right. I'll turn 38 in a couple of weeks, and I've mm-hmm. lived, yeah, over a decade in a wheelchair and severely disabled without mm-hmm. the ability to drive, write, smile normally, etc. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm living a very weird picture of having grown up able-bodied and now being disabled mm-hmm. in my adult life. How's the church different for you now than it was when you were able-bodied? Is that an okay question? Do you mind me asking that? Sure. Are you kidding me? I live for this stuff. Okay, great. What a blessing. If I get to be be an advocate for anything in my life, I want it to be the disabled community because they need representation so desperately. The difference in the disabled community and many other important minority unrepresented people groups is there's no ability to, like, Central movement, I guess you say. Exactly. There's no like, yeah, a battle cry happening because people in the disabled community aren't even able to get in the door. They have no representation. It's also just it's it's so diverse when you when you talk about people with disabilities and um, see if you've ever heard this before, Annie. But it is according to the United Nations the largest minority group in the world. I did not, and it's also the largest minority group in the U.S. too. Um, at about 20%. And so, you know, people then when faced with that are like, well, I don't see one out of five people in my life, um, you know, with some kind of disability. Well, that's because when the world's not made for you, you don't get out in the world as much, Mm -hmm. right? And I mean, there's even a conversation I heard somebody like trying to start a special needs ministry at their church. And the pastor's like, well, you know, that's nice, but we don't really need to do that because we don't have any people with disabilities at our church. Uh, And the guy said, well, that's, because that's why they yeah. don't have a way to get in the door right. or that's a why. place to go. Because oh, so. they can't come here. Right. Um, and along, alongside with the largest minority group, which makes sense, correspondingly, they're the largest unchurched people group, meaning that you might have um, people that are believers or that are, are, are people of faith, Christians, but they just don't have a church community that they can be a part of for, for any number of reasons, from accessibility to you know, there's just not a place for their child in the, the children's program, whatever it is. So I think, um, you know, sometimes there's so much hurt and wounding from the disabled community and the advocates that it, there's almost this shame um, situation with the church. Like we're, you know, the church is even behind the culture in this and, and yeah. it's crazy. I think there's just this really exciting opportunity to say, look, it's amazing that we get to go around the world and share the hope of Christ, but also there's a, a big time need next door to you and down the road and in your community. 
and how can we make a way for the for the body of Christ to be experienced by the world in all of its fullness? And if there is a a, a kind of person that is not represented in the body of Christ, we're missing out on something that's yeah. valuable. Yeah, yeah, we're the ones missing out. Right. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, t- I actually testified in a case for a young mother with three children who, um, without going into too many details, her husband was potentially getting more custody and they were in the trial. He had divorced her. She had a stroke. She had a massive stroke and could not speak oh, wow. afterwards. And basically, I was able to tell the judge that if you take these children and put them in the home of their daddy, they're missing out on the life with their mother that will enhance their life, not hurt it. Actually, you think this is about kids getting to be with the mama or the mama getting, you know, the right to her children or whatnot. But actually, this is about these kids getting to be in the presence of a mother who is disabled because it will profoundly impact their story for life. Mm. Yeah. I did not realize how large, I mean, one in five, Jay, that is just unbelievable. Yeah, I know, right? But, and the other difference I would think is it is hard to look at someone and know if they're disabled. Exactly. So it's talking about, you know, mental disability, um, blindness, deafness, uh, right. things on the emotional spectrum, yeah. autism, you know, that's all, it's such a broad, so not only when the world's not made for you, is it hard to mobilize? Is it hard to be in the places of power and government and education and the arts even? Um, but it's just hard to know, wait, wait, I'm in the same community as a person who, you know, has autism. Like, right. uh, interesting. Like how, how, do, how do we find this common um, experience to then create a voice together. Um, and it just, we've found, um, and this is sort of a different point of view, maybe from every person with disabilities who's advocating that actually the universalizing of disability to say, we're all disabled. We, some of us sit in physical wheelchairs, but we all have invisible wheelchairs inside of us that, that limit us and yet can also be an avenue to our freedom and to God and to community to not carrying the weight of the world on our own shoulders in that kind of universalizing, it creates a compassion that then somebody who's more able-bodied says, wow, like I I didn't think we had so much in common and I want to be um, engaging and changing the world differently because I see myself in the story of disability. And I think until, I mean, that's just how compassion is birthed in any of us. We're not going to truly care in a way that motivates change until we see our own story in story of the other mm-hmm. um, until the me becomes we, I guess. And so that's kind of been our take. And it's a little bit of a different angle. It's a little bit of a different angle. That's really good. So help me, you know, I'm thinking about my friends who are listening. Like there's like a single guy out on a run listening and there's a woman doing dishes or folding her laundry or, you know, anybody on track. They're just listening in their lives. What can they do on Sunday at church? Like how do we even start making our churches more disability friendly, I guess is the word. And it's not just building a ramp, though clearly we need to, it's that too. Yeah, that's a start too. Yeah, that, <laughs> no, for sure. That's a start. Yeah. Uh, I mean, big picture, what we all need to do specifically at our churches, but really everywhere, is just start normalizing disability and conversation with each other, with our children, and making it not so much the other. So it becomes yeah. so much less scary. And also but, when you see somebody, to invite them to make eye contact, you know, engage them, not in sort of this 
I don't know, pity way or this sort of like condescension, but actually in this real um, mutuality of ministry to say, uh, again, I think there's something that the body of Christ needs in you. And I yeah, want to know about yeah. it. Um, there's a, a gal, Krista Tippetts, who does a on being podcast, yeah. who, who uses the phrase um, curiosity without assumption. Mm-hmm. And I love that idea for anybody, whether disability or just somebody different yeah. in any way than ourselves to say, I'm, I want to know you. And I don't want to assume that I know what it's like to be you or your story or whatever. And, and for the, for the recipient of that, for the people with disabilities to say, you know what, I want to be open and vulnerable mm. to being known by yeah. somebody and making that connection. So I, I think that's the start of it. I mean, half of it is the subconscious reality, like, gosh, that could be me. And I almost right. don't want to look over there because like, that's too, it's too painful right. to think yeah. that we could be that fragile. Yeah. I mean, Catherine had no, you know, warning, no right. family history. One moment, you know, we're on the beach with the mommies with other new babies at the law school. And the next uh, couple of weeks later, your peer group is, you know, people all along the spectrum of every kind of background who are fighting for their life from a stroke. And right, um, right. that's just how easily life can change for all of us. And we yeah. don't really want to acknowledge that. And yet we need to, because I think it's Ecclesiastes. It's like, it's better to hang out in the, the house of mourning right. than the house of feasting, because yeah. here's the reality. Life is short. We can't control it. And so in a way, disability unlocks this really powerful, um, just reality check for all of us yeah. to say, we don't know what the future will hold, but there can still be joy, even when life looks really different than we thought. And there, there is a miracle right in front of us all that we're we're even here together yeah. and to lean into that. Yeah. This whole month of shows we're having is all couples. We do February of all couples month. Oh, cute. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know. It's so fun. And technically, y'all are the episode closest to Valentine's Day. Oh, so. yeah. Well, for starters, I think curiosity without assumption is an excellent dating tip. Mm. Seriously. When you are dating, be curious about him or her without assuming you know what they're going to say or what their history is. Mm. Yeah, seriously. That's so good. Okay, so Valentine's Day. Tell me y'all's love story. How'd you meet? How did this whole thing kick off? Oh, well, Samford University, a small Baptist college in Birmingham, Alabama, is where we both ended up, not to be confused with Stanford in right. California. No. <laughs> right. Yeah, Almost, that, not that, that was not the one. We used to say <laughs> that in California. Yeah. Let, let them think what they want. Sure, that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one, sure. <laughs> and where are you from, Jay? I'm from Montgomery, um, Alabama by way of D.C. So okay. kind of claim both. But my, my family's in Montgomery. So that was, Stanford is about an hour north. And so it was a natural fit. Catherine was kind of, it was a last minute thing for you to, a pivot to go to Sanford. So it's kind of cool that we ended For up sure. finding yeah, each no, other. I um I just felt like it's where the Lord had me for yeah. college yeah. after going to a um, college reunion there and fell in love. We um with it, not you yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, not you. Yeah, no. With it, with it. Right. 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 We were friends though, because we both did the Greek scene and we're kind of I was a pie cap, she was a Zeta, and uh, we were kind of the safe, like the the good guys, you know? And so yeah. the, I guess the older sisters, that sounds kind of like creepy, creepy you know, like yeah. The yeah. whatever. Yeah. We're like, yeah, you should, you can hang out with these guys. They'll be, they'll be cool. They'll be good friends and they'll be good party dates and whatever. And so we, that's not how we started was more as friends. Catherine was dating yeah. um, a guy from high school still. And uh, over time they broke up and I 
position myself. Just, uh, <laughs> you saw that situation. Right in. Convenient, convenient. Um, but we laughed too because uh, somebody asked the other day, how did you help me? And it was, it was in the cafeteria, which is, of course, very sexy. Yeah. <laughs> for us, though, it was a revelation. It was like, we're not with mom and dad anymore. We're, there's a, literally a buffet, like every meal. <laughs> Are y'all the same grade? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh. We're only three weeks apart. Oh, yeah. we're my born gosh. March 8th and April 1st, 1982. Yeah, Catherine's older. So- that is so Total cool. Total cradle robber. Yeah, yeah. totally, yeah. totally. What a, yeah. I'm three weeks older. More mature. <laughs> so y'all are both just in the cafeteria. Yeah, like, yep. you know, it was, it's like, Sanford's great, but it is, you know, there's like, whatever. Like, it's like out of a movie. There's the tables, you know, you would sit yes. at. Right. I remember, yeah, I remember yeah. looking yeah. yeah, Do y'all know at, I almost went there, by the way? Oh, did no, you really? Did you? Yeah, I was going to play that. soccer there, and then I got hurt my senior year, and that's how I ended up at Georgia instead. Oh, well, that's where the Lord had you. That's right, but I loved Sanford, man. I think that is that is a movie of a campus. It's exactly it what you oh. picture. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, no, it was beautiful, for I, sure. I looked up, though, and Catherine is the kind of person who... um you know, she's she's kind of a presence and loud and, uh-huh. and boisterous. And uh, I look up and this beautiful woman's right in front of me. And what I thought was awesome was that her plate was just piled obscenely high with food. <laughs> and it was, you know, it was, I was just like, wow, Sanford is not known for like, you know, gals who go for it in the cafeteria, <laughs> let me just say. But Catherine was like, this is awesome. And, you know, I, I could just go back for thirds. And and, yeah. sh- and so, you know, it was really more reflective of just this jumping into life and savoring it. And so I've always uh, been a us really big eater, love the food, which actually, Annie, you may already know this. I'm not sure your listeners do that. I did not eat after my stroke for almost a full year. I was yeah. tube fed through oh my, my stomach. Gosh. For almost so a year. So it was year. always um really just a very unique part of our story mm. that we met eating we've loved eating and cooking and we're foodies honestly yeah and i i took a year off from food and even now yeah. have problems swallowing so it's yeah. been um, yeah it was a really poignant kind of um what seems so ordinary you know but it's so essential to life and to community and relationship just this life around the table so yeah it's sort of there was this sort of real tragic experience uh, of this possibility that that might not be something we could share anymore. And they yeah. even said like after her stroke with where all the injuries were to the nerves and the parts of her brain, that it would be a, a pretty good possibility. She would not ever eat again. Right. Um, oh, wow. And you know, that just feels like you're witnessing the world and you're not participating in it. And it was just really um, way more, painful yeah it was absolutely awful yeah much more than anyone could ever imagine not eating is bizarrely isolating and you're you're in this like weird world we're just watching people do life almost food and eating are so much more than just food and eating they're like engagement with people it's weird it's very sad and thankfully she did eat again. And I think um, what's interesting is kind of an aside relationally is um, most people agree vulnerability and honesty is, you know, is ideal in relationship. But I knew Catherine well enough at that season that when I heard that swallow therapist say, here's, here's the deal. Like, I don't want to give you false hope. It's most likely she's not going to eat again. And um, I decided not to tell Catherine that prognosis 
And I kind of kept that from her and I went with her every day to the swallow therapy and she was, you know, am I swallowing out? Am I swallowing? You know, and just for Mm -hmm. months and months and months and months. And so I don't know. I don't even know why I totally decided to do that, but I just knew it would crush her spirit so deeply. And, you know, how are you going to keep just one day at a time attacking therapy with full force if you feel like it's just pointless? Which which is so powerful because who knows what that would have done to my psyche had I thought, well, I'm probably never going to relearn. So why try so hard? Why literally throw the kitchen sink at it? I mean, I'm getting acupuncture on Mm. my swallow nerves. And this is like... 10 years ago, no one's doing that kind of stuff. Right, right. I'm doing follow exercises like after my therapy for three hours. Oh my gosh. Just killing it. And I really doubt I would have been up for that psychologically had I thought probably it's not going to happen for you. Right. Yeah. And I think that's like, you know, to be a student of your spouse is, um, you know, it's a good takeaway, I think, for anybody in relationship and, and the student of the person you're with to just say, I, um, I'm i paying attention enough to what makes you tick that I should be able to understand how I can best lift you up and protect you and help you. And um, yeah, I just, anyway, that, 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 I definitely don't do that perfectly. And we, you know, that can be a slippery slope, I guess, in some ways, but just to know, hey, this is going to be uh, influential in a huge way of her trajectory. Will you talk more, both of you can, but Jay, will you talk more about what it means to be a student of your spouse? Like teach me as I am (laughs) pre-spouse, teach me what it means to like be a student of someone that, that intentionally without being creepy. Right. And again, you know, I'm sure like the lines get blurry sometimes and the creepy mainly I was mainly just because like I'm, you know, I'm a caregiver. I, yeah. it's hard. Are you it's a hard. two? I'm an eight actually. An eight. Okay. Catherine, what are you? Oh, can't you see it? Goodness. Oh. I mean, are you a seven? Oh no. I mean, I can tell he's an ace. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which first year makes me not a seven. Oh, okay. get <laughs> other guys, I bet. Maybe a three. Yes, Andy, yeah. you're so right. Good job. What are you? You're so driven. I've just always been so impressed with how you're like, yes, I'll come to the front and I'll sit here and I'll pray out loud. And you'll just, you better be fine with that. I mean, you just have always been so true to you. I've loved it. Mm. Oh, you were so sweet, Andy. Um, yeah, it's complicated. There's a lot. I'm tempted to really self-deprecate here and say, here's the reason that's messed up and this is bad and neither of those people please me. Don't do it. But, but I'm in a new season. Where I'm, not, I'm just receiving that's and good. saying, yeah, that's yes, awesome. And that's exactly right. every female needs to just learn to say awesome. Yes, yes. I'm the boss instead of, <laughs> well, I really just have this crazy people-pleasing issue. And don't do it. Don't now. do it. No, no. I, we will only say kind things about you on this show, oh. including exactly. what you say about you. That's I love right. that. Andy, what number are you? I'm just curious. I'm a seven. seven yeah. Oh, you're a seven. Of yeah. course you are. Awesome. I'm a wannabe seven. That was what made me think you might be is that we play so much together and we like laugh so much together. I was like, she may be a seven because we jump right in every time. No we see each kidding, other. which I love about you. No, I, I am highly relational. And so are yep. you. Okay. Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. This is what happens when you let us go, Jake. Go ahead. No, I love Talk it. about being a helper. I was, um, yeah, just say, saying how I can get creepy apparently. <laughs> no, I think, I, you know, what's interesting is like that line of codependency, I think really in a healthy state can look like interdependency Mm. and maybe it sounds like semantics but i think there is this um you know like i'm paying attention i i i want to know you i 
my life is built around you in so many ways, even though I am an individual and, you know, your rise and fall is not going to make or break me, but I'm, I'm invested and I'm interested. And I think, um, you know, in a world of distraction, obviously, so often the thing that gets overlooked is the thing right in front of you all the time. And what a, what a tragedy and what a, um, you know, even just a, a lie of the enemy. Talk about that. Why is that a lie from the enemy? Talk about that a little bit. All of, uh, the deepest ways I think the enemy works is to take the the thing that is good and, and oftentimes look good in front of you and um, to uh, avail it or to upend it or yeah. to distract you from it and to say, yeah. oh, but I, I want I wanted something else or I wanted something from the past that, that I thought I was signing up for. And I think the gospel is like the moment right in front of you is what God has given you and it's good. Yeah. <laughs> and what are you going to do with it? And yeah. how are you going to love yeah. it and cherish it? Whether it's your partner or whether it's your life or season of life or whatever. And I think so often we overlook the goodness and the beauty and the, the wonder of the person right in front of us or, 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 you know, even our, even kids or whatever, like we want the miracle that we think we're entitled to that's ahead of us or that mm. was behind us. Mm. And instead of really just saying, you know what, um, this isn't an accident or a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. This is where I'm at right yeah. now with the person I'm at. And, and I want to cherish and steward that relationship and, yeah, so I think so often, you know, it's just easy to, to fill our brains and our knowledge with things that are really just, you know, it's kind of bizarre, the the random topics yeah. from, you know, sports stats or <laughs> the Oscars or, you know, what reality Shoot TV shot. show yeah, or like totally. when, the, when the Nordstrom sale is. I mean, that's fine. Yeah. But just like your brain can only hold so much. So, I mean, let's right. be intentional with what we put why, in there why do i know some random on instagram some brunch plans but yeah. have right. no brunch plans <laughs> with my night. husband yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, hello seriously right hey friends just interrupting this conversation to thank some of our sponsors first up ritual you guys know i love these vitamins. We deserve to know what we're putting in our bodies. And that's why Ritual's founder is on a mission to reinvent the vitamin industry. She and her team of scientists at Ritual are making clinically tested a new normal. Not only have they obsessively researched each nutrient and their visionary women's multivitamin, they're carefully choosing forms that are absorbable by the body. And they've also tested their formula. Science-backed isn't just a buzzword for them. It's the standard. I love taking Ritual Vitamins two a day. And as you guys have heard me say, I love that it smells like mint, that it is not a stinky bottle of vitamins. And listen, we should all be taking a multivitamin. It is really, really important for your body to have all the vitamins that it needs. So for any of you guys that are obsessive label readers like me, Ritual uses vegan certified, non-GMO, gluten-free and allergen-free ingredients and their sources. And they are out there for the whole world to see because they believe you deserve to know what you're putting in your body and why. I love the quality ingredients they use. They're so high quality. They use vegan algal oil instead of fish oil, which comes from the fermentation of microalgae. I know it's sciencey things, but it's a patented process that leaves minimal environmental contamination. 
And their delayed release, no nausea designed capsule is made to be gentle on your stomach. And the mint essence tab, you guys know how I feel about it. It's one of my favorite parts. It makes taking your vitamins a minty fresh experience. Daily changes can lead to big results, friends. So start small today. Ritual is offering you guys 10% off your first three months. So try it out. Satisfaction guaranteed. Go to ritual.com slash that sounds fun to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com com slash that sounds fun today's show is also brought to you by an office favorite liquid iv you guys cannot know how much we love this stuff in fact we just placed an order for liquid iv's hydration multiplier because we love it so much but have y'all heard of their latest product liquid iv energy multiplier we have that here too and it does not mess around it gets us to work liquid iv's energy multiplier tastes amazing just like their lemon lime flavor it has a little bit of ginger in it and you just mix it in water and drink and it's gives you a sustained energy boost with no crash. So Liquid IV's cellular transport technology, we're very sciencey today, you guys. It delivers an optional ratio of nutrients for more efficient uptake. Enhanced rapid absorption into the bloodstream gives you a lasting energy boost fast. And I'm not kidding you when I tell you that Jenna and I and the other people that come around Downs Books HQ have really experienced and loved the energy multiplier. It powers your mornings, it fuels long days at work, and provides a boost for those tough workouts. There's clean ingredients. Again, we really that really matters to us and the things we share with you. And it has convenient TSA single-serving packets that are perfect for travel, you guys. So get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code that sounds fun at checkout. Again, that's 25% off anything you order on Liquid IV's website. And I would tell you the acai of the hydration one and the taste of the energy one are both awesome. Like we're such big fans. So just go to liquidiv.com, enter the promo code that sounds fun and save 25% off and get better hydration and energy. That's liquidiv.com, promo code that sounds fun. Don't wait, start fueling your adventures today. And now back to the show. Catherine, talk about the other side of it is, I mean, I would imagine some people looking into your lives would say, yeah, it makes sense for Jay to be a student of Catherine because he is a caretaker as well as husband. What does it look like for you to be a student of Jay? Well, it's uh, for sure super, super important because the um, care receiver better have, um, a, you know, some awareness of how the caregiver is doing. You know, I think it's yeah. critical that care receiver isn't just receiving care without waking up how how this must be landing on them to do this. It's exhausting, no doubt. But I, I like to make a caveat. Just, that does not make you unworthy to need mm. care. Mm. And so many mm. people, I think feel like they lost their voting right or something, mm-hmm. lost their backbone because they had something that they could never have controlled yeah. um, happen to them or they were born with some extreme disabilities. And so they no longer have the ability to take ownership of their story and speak from that place and really um, just recognize their worth. And so I actually think Jay is more free to be Jay 
when Catherine is more free to be Catherine and not bound up and we're all walking on eggshells. I mean, that's so stupid. Like we got bigger fish to fry over here. Right. How do your children, you have two boys. Am I correct? Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. James and John. Yeah. How do you see them responding to y'all taking care of each other? Well, so, well, we'll see. Ask us in a few years for <laughs> oh sure gosh. because, yeah. you know, we'll see how, how things pan out. But for now, it is like crazy adorable because Jamesy is like – That's our 12-year-old. Our 12-year-old, yeah. yeah is, I mean, first day of kindergarten, when do you want to be when you grow up? And he says, a family man. I want to uh. um, be a dad and a husband. And I mean – strangely that has not changed a lot and he's 12 now he's like really focused on i cannot wait to get married and have kids and we're like this is just so different than most dudes out there what's up with that but it's really touching that's i don't know i mean we'll we'll see though i mean teenage years made me please he's he's over it he's over it (laughs) (laughs) we'll see yeah stay tuned yeah he's hardly perfect too i mean we've he's given us it's a run right now just with the oh, preteen uh, situation. And then oh. we've got the four-year-old toddler drama on the other hand. So we're kind of, we're about done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Seriously. We're trying, but we're like, man, yeah. well, this is rough. Well, um, how do you mean the 12-year-old isn't a perfect 12-year-old even in your home? Oh no. Like gosh. he can say something cute. Like I'm going to be a family man. But, right. you know, that's. But, but yeah. Pretty much. That's like the one cool thing you oh, said. Yeah. Throw him under the bus. I know. Like I'm just kidding. Jen, just I don't want anybody else well. to feel, you know, weird about their kids not, you know, having that experience. But That's what right. it was so for true. us was just encouraging that, oh, like we're we feel so much like we're we're um, you know, messing up as parents or there's been so many seasons early on where where Catherine's motherhood was really taken from her and it took yeah, many years yeah. um, to sort of regain that. And, you know, I was helping her mostly. So I, yeah. I felt that loss too. So I think, you know, we, we've had so much bittersweetness surrounding our, our parenthood yeah. and, um, and, and then so much redemption too, but there's still just, there's lingering loss and sadness. Yeah. Um, and so there's been, there's been some sweet moments where there's God's just given us a little wink to be like, you know, he's, he's internalizing this experience of his family and, and hopefully it will change how he views the future of family that he's a part of. Yeah, seriously. That word bittersweet seems really poignant and your new book, Suffer Strong. I mean, mixing together the joy and the sadness feels like to me, it's something I'm just learning in the last couple of years that we, that pretty much every day we get to hold joy and sadness at the same time. Mm-hmm. Right. How have y'all learned to suffer strong? Why is that? I'm, I hate asking questions. Other people ask like, why is that the title of your book? But like, what does it actually mean to suffer strong? How do you do that? Oh, yeah, no, no. Ask away. I, I love it because that's all of life is one it's big. All, it's all of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good and hard, sorrow and joy, bittersweet uh, bundle called your life. Nothing yeah. is one note. Right. Everything has some like element of joy and sorrow combined. Mm-hmm. I mean, suffering strong is actually probably everyone on us experience, yeah. honestly. Or and, will be, yeah. Yeah, or will be their experience. Mm-hmm. That um, they're not mutually exclusive. That good things and hard things um, coexist, I believe, so 
like well and clearly in the Christian life that nothing is ever going to be just one way. And um, there's gains and losses just all in our stories. And um, there's thriving in major constraints in life. I think, yeah, I was going to say that. To me, um, the gospel, the, the Bible, and the way of Jesus is about so many paradoxes that um, suffer strong. That title just seemed for us to capture in so many ways this longing that we have to live into this upside-down kingdom. Catherine, you said the other day that when our life was upended, it really only made sense in the upside-down kingdom. Uh, and um, I think that's yeah. been just what we've been trying to unpack for over a decade. Could the way up be to go down first? And and, mm. and if we're following the way of Jesus, then yeah, because this is the kind of kingdom he's leading us in and through. And it looks really different than the kingdom that we thought. Yeah. And I think so much, you know, I mentioned invisible wheelchairs before, but this idea that Catherine is in a wheelchair, right? And sometimes people say wheelchair bound, like she's wheelchair yeah. bound. That's so sad. That's so limiting. Well, she can't walk really well. So actually the wheelchair is the thing that helps her to be free. Oh, preach that. Come right? on, Pastor Wolf. So what, <laughs> You're exactly um, right. Thank you. I think um, I was so struck by this. It seems like, you know, in that scenario, what looks like a limitation can actually be the avenue to her freedom and her flourishing. And so wow. could that also be possible for all of our invisible wheelchairs? Could it be a 2 Corinthians 12, 9 experience that our weakness, not in spite of it, but because of it is the way in which we experience God most fully in our life? Yeah. Yeah. Everyone has a wheel. One-liners, Catherine. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's saying uh, what, what's in my heart um, and whatever. I love that you, that you said that. Absolutely. Yes. Sharing that's what I do say a lot because it's what is true, that I'm not bound to my wheelchair. I'm freed by it. Yeah. I'm wheelchair free. I love it. That idea of we all have a version of a wheelchair in our lives is so f- freeing as well to me to think, and you, we talked about this a little bit before we hit record, but as I just got back from Honduras, I think we're all poor. <laughs> it looks different, but there is an eye-opening thing to realizing that poverty is not just a financial place and handicap is not just a physical thing. We all have that. And we're all suffering. I mean, we're all suffering all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, even suffering that we use that word in the title very strategically because it says something. <laughs> and it of, starts with an S and y'all seem to do double. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all seem to alliterate. I love oh yeah. I love it. Love it. Oh, heels suffer enough. strong. We're just going to keep on keeping on. Right. Exactly. Who knows if we'll ever do another one, but I'm yeah. sure we'll have to do the double. <laughs> But you picked that word on purpose. Yeah, because I think at the end of the day, um, the space between the reality that we're living and the expectations that we had for our life, that's suffering. If that if there's a gap between what we thought our life would be and what it really is, we suffer. And mm. we're we're on the spectrum, I think, any of us in our humanity of suffering. We're, we're losing something at the very least. We're living in a body that is breaking down day after day in a world that is breaking down. And that reality causes us pain and loss and stress. And so we're all, you know, some of us are in really acute seasons of it, no doubt. I mean, we never want to sort of dilute the reality of what it 
looks like to be disabled in the world or going through horrific medical issue or loss of a child or financial bankruptcy or ruin. Like, yeah, those are um, yeah. legitimately, yeah. you know, and objectively awful experiences that hopefully those of us who are now in this spectrum and realizing that will say, look, I really want to enter into that yes. and handle them with care and with compassion say, I, I want to get up under this load with you and lighten the load for everybody in doing so. And so that's, um, you know, we kind of hold those both in tension. We want to say we're all disabled, but also um, if you're physically disabled, you know, huh, I should have a seat at the table, but I'm going to need you to hold the door open. That's right. That's exactly right. And the same with poverty. I may be poor in a different way, but I am not third world country poor. And therefore I get to help there. Exactly. Yes. Right. Well, yes. And you're going to have to read chapter one of the book entitled um, Invisible Wheelchairs. Oh, yes, there it is. It is the very first chapter. You guys, I'm ready. The book just came in the mail, to be fair. I usually do try to skim through my friends' books before I talk to them, but I just got off a plane and the book just got here, so it did not happen. Oh, my gosh. No, I'm no, so no. sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you, no, no, oh, no. my gosh. What a joke. But I, I love that because um, we're all, you're that smart, Annie. You're leading us there already. That's right. Well, I don't know about that. In the same way that we carry joy and sadness, we can carry, we all have a thing. We all have an invisible wheelchair, and yet I am not in a wheelchair, and yet I do not live in a third world country, and therefore I can I can recognize where we are the same and recognize where we are different and what it looks like to learn from people who are different than me but be the same as them as well. Right, because pain is pain, but perspective is perspective, and we hold the tension of both of those always, that yeah. when it's your finger that has a little boo-boo, it hurts. It's your finger. It's <laughs> happening to you. But let's be real. That is not your child dying. Yes. And it's not the same. And we don't need to pretend that it yeah. is. But it feels bad when it's happening to you. Sure. It's all negative emotions yeah. attached to <laughs> what's going on in your story. So mm -hmm. it is worthy of deep empathy mm -hmm. and a level of compassion that we don't show each other, even though we're going through different versions of the same things. Uh -huh. And yeah, and you have the right to have complex emotions. Yes. <laughs> it's never one note. Totally. I think there's there's so much in that. Man, that's a great sentence. You have the right to have complex emotions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I always do. So I, <laughs> yeah. I like to say that. You're talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah, talking to myself. Maybe you're, maybe you're talking to me, actually. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking to the world. Every Everybody yes. has right to have complex emotions because Catherine Love always does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, Jay, tell me how different you are from when you were 25. What do you know about God now that you didn't know when y'all were having your first son? So we had our first son right before the stroke. And so I think, you know, in a way, having um, James at that age, I was in law school um, it was not a planned part of the five-year, you know, uh -huh. schedule there. And, and he, um, he was six months old when, the, right. when yeah, when you had the stroke, he was six months old. But yeah, I think what was interesting, just talking about sort of developing countries and stuff like that. We had gone to Africa on a mission trip about a year before Catherine unexpectedly gotten pregnant. So we were about you know a year and a half into marriage, and for us, you know, both honestly being from just the South and white yeah. privileged kids. Like it right. was a life changing trip to just see a different part of the human experience and a reality that's going on right now in the world. But it, um, 
but it's so connected to a bigger story sure. in the world. It was just it was transformational. And I remember we, like there was a woman at this medical clinic who gave birth to twins, like honestly, almost, you know, on the side of the road. And it wasn't like that big of a deal. <laughs> it was wow. just like, you know, that was just the cycle of life and it was what it was. And, um, Catherine then got pregnant and I remember, you know, they're just, we're in West LA. Okay. We're in Malibu at Pepperdine, probably one of the most, you know, just unusual non-realities yeah. possible in yeah. the world, just like wealth and celebrity and all these things. So, you know, yes, it was just, Yes, like, yes, yes. It was just like, okay, you're pregnant. Well, like, this is kind of bizarre. But first, when we unexpectedly found out we were pregnant, we went to the doctor in Malibu. They're like, well, you can just end it. You know, and we we're like, oh, oh my God. No, um, we're like, we're, that's right. not, that was like the first foray into wow. pregnancies. Oh, you don't have to. Get, yeah, you don't like, have to no. keep it. Then um, we went to Babies R Us and we almost vomited because we're just like, we're not ready. Right, oh my right, gosh, right. what in the world is this life? Yes. And so, in a big way, um, it was this breaking of a life that we thought we'd have together, the two of us. It wow. was this this shattering. And and I think new life should be shattering. It shouldn't feel the same. So we kind of came to this revelation through the African experience. Like there are women in the world in this moment giving birth to new life in all kinds of ways and in really literal the same ways. And so I don't have to be so afraid. Like there's this sort of right. cloud of witnesses, tribe, whatever, like experiencing the same thing. So that diffuses the fear. But also the reality is like, this should change things and that's okay. Yeah. And to sort of, even before things really, really changed six months later, when Catherine had the stroke, we, we had kind of gotten around our heads saying like, this is going to shatter this world of just the two of us. And yet now the three of us are going to get to pick up these pieces and, and put it back together and make a new world together. Yeah. And that again, paved the way for uh, an even more extreme upending and breaking when Catherine would have her stroke when our son was six months old. But again, I think there was this rhythm, like even when we moved to California, kind of not knowing anybody right after we married, Lots of dreams, lots of adventure in our hearts. And um, I, I was going to go to law school, maybe, but I didn't actually know if I got in until we were driving across the country. Uh-uh. Y'all packed up and drove without knowing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. we're crazy. We were 22. Our brains were not What formed. was the backup plan? Uh, uh, we, I don't know. No, I do because... <laughs> be we, no, I do because... Probably would have done it. No, no. We still did the backup plan, if you recall, for the first six months. We did odd jobs yeah. all over LA. It was if, hysterical. We used Craigslist uh, as our... We know, used Craigslist. And if you recall... What was the job called where you installed faucets in gas stations? What was uh, that called? In restaurants. I don't remember, but it was weird. We that is a weird, weird job. Set up for the Oscar parties. Yeah, and, set up for uh, the Oscars. Yeah. Wow. It, was, uh, it was very bizarre. So, yeah, time. that could have been more. We could still be doing all that. Right. Uh, yeah. But anyway, it worked out. And I think the, the point of that was that God gave us this sort of um, vision of. of stepping into maybe even jumping into the unknown of our life. Right. And, uh, you know, that was youthful naivete and not really thinking through it in a way, but it also began this process of saying, you know what, I don't know what the future is going to be, but I feel like God is calling me to this place and time. And then of course that translates to when you have a baby unexpectedly, or then that consistent stepping forward in faith yeah. was this preparation for when we would need it like none of, no other time in our life. And um, yet we got to, you know, remind each other of that. We got to walk together in that, um, 
into that unknown and see God show up time and time again, which would give us the reassurance and the faith that he would continue to show up no matter what was ahead. Yeah, you just couldn't have known in Africa, obviously, but I've seen this play out in my life in other ways too. Have you seen it multiple times where God gives you, he is always preparing you for what he's taking you towards? Right, right, right absolutely. Right. You know, when I was in brain rehab, relearning to do absolutely everything, walk, eat, etc. Um, one of the technicians there said, God... And, and this was really unusual. It wasn't yeah. like I knew who was a person of faith and who was not. But he said, you know, God is always preparing you for what he has prepared for you. And I can remember feeling this bizarre, like, emotion of, yeah, you know, you're right. In some crazy way, I I can understand I didn't see this coming in my life, obviously, at right. all. But there was this weird sense of like, oh, my gosh, he has he's been making this um, making a way for me to live well in this my whole life. And it was very um, powerful for me to see God's like equipping of me for a hard story that I didn't know was happening Um in my, you know, privileged Caucasian upbringing in the South. And yet it was like when it really mattered, um, I had equipping. And yeah. was, it changed everything. Man, that's incredible. To me, even when I think about my own life, it's giving me these handles to say, okay, well, I'm in the middle of this thing. It isn't just about this thing. It's always about more than just this thing. Right. Yes, absolutely. Me too, Andy. Me too, actually. It's everything in my life post-stroke. Um, yeah. there, there is a deep sense of that. Like, okay, this is a part of something that I didn't necessarily want to live through or be a part of, but I, I'm getting equipment in this. Yeah, and that's right. Very valuable to me and developing a different level of all the things you really want that you didn't, you don't necessarily think you want, but that you really need to cope in life. Perseverance, obviously character, the, the good stuff, yeah. the, the Isaiah 45, three stuff, the treasure and darkness. Yeah. No one wants to go into. And yet once you're in there, you really crave just a deeper, deeper treasure than something that you knew on the outside you mm. needed. Yeah, that's good. Okay, Suffer Strong comes out this week. Are y'all ready? <laughs> no, oh my gosh. No, no, no. Book birthing is a, it may be worse than childbirthing. It's no joke. I haven't done either technically, but I, I just I feel like it's so good. But, you know, it's just there's there's this um, you know, weightiness to what you feel like God's given yeah. you. And you know this, Annie. Um, and you want to hold it loosely, but steward it the best you can. And, um, you know, I hate, I just say, uh, you know, if one person's life has changed, it was all worth it. I'm like, no. I'm with you, Jay. <laughs> I hate that a lot that of phrase. time and yes. money. I want more than one person That's to be right. impacted. That is exactly how I feel. When people say that, I'm like, you do not know how hard I work. It better be more than one person. (laughs) If it's just one person, let me disciple them. If it's just one person, let me do something else. I know that's how I feel. I'm like, well, I'd love to have that person over and person minister to them. But the last year of my life has left me wrought with the desire. We're learning a lot always in the process. We're learning. We're learning. Opening, you know, that, that idea, it kind of, we talk about it in our book too. And it's, and it's so funny. I've got, 
lets you teach things and then it teaches them back to you. And yeah, you seriously. That whole, um, that whole posture of opening our hands. So God's saying, you're, you're not going to control these outcomes and that's mm-hmm. okay because they weren't yours to control anyway. Right. Yes. So feel that release and, and that freedom. It's not as much loss as it is like a freedom. And also now you're postured to receive more of me because yes. your hands are open. And yet at the same time, even though you know that you might lose or you might not have a life that, you know, things might not turn out like you thought they would, to still be all in with your whole heart. So that open-handed, wholehearted living is kind of what we have been working through for, you know, since everything, since everything changed. And even in microcosmic senses, like with a book, like I'm going to open my hands, but I want to be all in about it. I want to cherish it. I want to steward it. And I know God's given us this moment. So we, we don't want it to, we don't want to miss anything in it. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, y'all have already done a book. Hope Heals is already out. So you've already done this once, but I'll give you my big tip. The day before, so for the secret sauce for our listeners, we're recording this the Friday before the show comes out on Thursday. The thing I love to do is the night before the book comes out to celebrate like crazy on that night. Before you see numbers, before you see who shares it, before you see anything about how the book does, I hope y'all will either this weekend or on Monday night celebrate that you did the work. So many people say they'll write a book and never do it. And y'all have done it twice. Yeah, that's Thank so you good. Say, Andy, you and say don't wait celebrate. to celebrate. Yeah, we we like to say don't wait to celebrate, and we are definitely doing that. We're having a, a little um shindig here in Atlanta on the night before, actually. For, Great, um, well done. Yeah, so we're we're with you. Are you on like book eighteen by now? <laughs> no, 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 not quite. But we're hey, listen, it's a full time job. If I, I I need to have a full time job, so I'm just gonna keep writing. <laughs> but no, I want I want to know is it like fifteen? Seriously. Uh. I am. I just finished twelve. Oh my gosh, nice. Andy, you're amazing. It's How fun. I don't know. Did you but... write a novel now? Did we hear that? Too? That's what I'm working on. So that'll be thirteen, oh, actually. Cool. I guess. Yeah, that'll be thirteen. Wow. I'm working on it. Wow, Andy, so you're so cool. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you are funny. Okay, so you guys, the last question we always ask because the show is called "That Sounds Fun." Tell me what y'all do for fun. Well, we have a lot of dance parties in the kitchen with our kids, and I yes. must say. Somehow they actually end up putting this all in the better mood. So I guess that's actually having fun. <laughs> yes. That is true. Um, I must say to you, and this is so hilarious, and our family and Jay dies laughing, but I evidently did not know this about myself, but I deeply loved indoor water parks. Do I don't you? know why. Um, so Great Wolf Lodge, I don't know if you've been, you need to go. I love Andy. indoor water parks. Catherine, can I go with y'all? Next time y'all come to Nashville, you, you know we have one Absolutely. here in Nashville. I'll let you and Catherine go again. Andy, I'm so serious. It is like, I mean, Jay says I need to get they need I was to like, are, they, are you repping them? Why are you, right. are you talking about this? I love it's it so, so much. Oh so my random. gosh, it is so wonderful. Oh my gosh, I love that about you, Catherine. <laughs> So funny. Okay, Jay, what about you? What's your fun thing? Oh, gosh. Well, you took my dance party one, and that's not like a cute, like from a movie. It's like usually we're in a foul mood. We just yeah. got in a major fight with the kids, and we're like, look, one, two, three, dance, start yeah. over and yeah. just dance. Yeah. And um, man, there's just, you know, and then just to hear the kids laugh and release and be kids. I mean, so much, I think, you know, stuff changed for us when we were adults but we were you know there was still some youth left in us and so i think it's so important to just find whatever that little moment is that just finds joy in the midst of uh, a lot of hard stuff and uh 
we're looking for that still. It's not it's not easy to find all the time. So we're grateful to in the moments we, we grab onto it. For sure. That's right. Hey, me too. Thank you guys so much for being on the show today. I'm so grateful for y'all. Love it. Thank you. Oh, you are so I'm welcome, Andy. You. Thank you. Oh, y'all, an hour with Catherine and Jay just is not enough for me. I just love them so, so much. I feel like we were just getting started and our time was up. It was the best. I just adore them. And I hope that you will grab a copy of their new book, Suffer Strong, that came out this week. You know how it goes for our author friends and our musician friends, guys. If you can pre-order a book, it's good to pre-order it. If you can buy it the week it releases, it's good for the author. It's good for the book. It's good for the stories that God is telling. So if you think you may want a copy of Suffer Strong, this is the week to get it. Go ahead and do it. And it's a great book. I've flipped through it. I am going to really read it. But I got to flip through it today, and I really, really like it. It's They switch back and forth who wrote each chapter, and I think that's really interesting. Hey, make sure you give Hope Heals a follow and tell them thanks so much for being on the show. I'm just so grateful for both of them and so much for us to think about. I totally loved it. Hey, as you know, we're just a couple of days from heading out on the bus for the Love Better Tour. If you have not gotten your tickets yet, there are still some left in almost every city. So if you go to CompassionLive.com, you will be able to see everything you need there. So if you live anywhere near Fredericktown, Missouri, Benton, Arkansas, Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas, Carmel, Indiana, Florence, Alabama, Smyrna, Georgia, or Chattanooga, Tennessee, we are coming to you. We've got great friends coming with me. You've heard them, JP, Mike, and Cheryl, and some local leaders in every city. And we've got some really cool merch coming with us too. So you guys have got to join us. If you can get to us, get to us. It is going to be really, really fun. If you need anything else from me, y'all know I am embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out and do something that sounds fun to you, and I will do the same. And happy Valentine's Day. I love you. I think you're great. So I hope you have a great weekend celebrating the people that you love. We'll see you back here on Monday. Couples Month continues. Don't worry. Just because Valentine's is over doesn't mean Couples Month is over. It keeps on going and you're going to love Monday's show. We'll see you then.